Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Hello and welcome to this week's Witch Money podcast. I'm Lucia Ariano and this week we're kicking off with our new series on the rising cost of living, bringing you expert advice and money-saving tips on a different topic each week to help you ease the squeeze. Now, the Bank of England is forecasting inflation will reach over 7% by spring and this comes after the much-awaited announcement from Ofgem, the energy regulator, that the price cap will increase by a huge 54% in April. So this is where we'll be focusing for today's show with a episode on energy and for this I'm joined by our brilliant podcast regular witch expert Adam French plus a very special guest Anna Moss from the energy market experts at Cornwall Insight. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you both. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Thanks Lucia. It's great to have a a proper energy expert and Anna joining us as well to really talk us through the nitty-gritty of what has been going on in the world of energy. Yeah, thank you, Anna, for joining us. So also let's kick off with the big news of last week. As listeners will have heard on the podcast over the last few months, we've been expecting a steep jump in energy prices, haven't we? And it's happened. They'll be going up by a record 54%. Mm, It's pretty, pretty startling, sobering news. It has to be said to expect your energy bill to go up by by that amount. It means a typical three bedroom home you should usually expect to spend around £120 £110 a month on your energy bills, that's going to go up to more like £160 now or even higher. It's it's a hard, it's a bitter pill to swallow really for people who are already feeling this stretch in so many other ways. Um, you know, it's not it's not welcome news ultimately and it's uh, obviously really poorly timed with all the other increases we're seeing at the moment when it comes to the cost of our living. And Anna, Ofgem calls this a record increase. But what's the context behind this? Has there ever been a time like it? No, not not really. I think what we're seeing now really is quite unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of different factors that have been driving this. But as we've seen in the press recently, it is mostly being driven by a, a really enormous increase in the gas price. We, we Of mm-hmm. course, we use gas at home for heating and we use it. Uh, we actually use it in electricity as well. So it's got a huge impact on what we're paying but the, the energy price cap that's in place means that there has been a delay in how quickly those changes are passed on to consumers. Um, but it is a really substantial increase coming through in, in April when it arrives. Well, as part of the series, we'll be answering your questions from the Witch Money Facebook and Twitter and hearing how the current crisis is impacting your life right now. So let's start here with Amy's story. 
Hi, my name is Amy. I live in Wales and I'm an unpaid carer for two people. Currently, I have a dual fuel contract with E.ON. I uh, have a quarterly bills, which I read the meter. So I don't actually have direct debit and I'm on a fixed tariff at the moment. I use a lot more electricity than gas. I have gas central heating, but I do use a lot more electricity. And the simple reason for that is because my son is severely disabled and he has a lot of equipment and all of it is either electric plug-in at the wall or it's rechargeable. Every piece of equipment I have in the home is electric. So unfortunately, there's just no way I can cut down on that because obviously I need those pieces of equipment, you know, several times daily. So my energy uses, I would say, particularly in electricity, is probably, well, probably twice as much as the average person. With the gas, I do still use more gas probably because he needs to be warm. So obviously I have to have the heating on when it's cold, which it is at the moment, because you can't regulate his body temperature. So it's not really as easy as, you know, putting on an extra jumper for him. And then there's washing, laundry. So I, have, I use a lot of electricity there as well. And also tumble drying in the winter. There doesn't seem to be any way I can think of how I can cut down on my energy usage at this time. So I'm just really scared, to be honest, and, and worried, really worried about my next quarterly bill, because I think it's going to be over double. And um, I just I'm not sure I can afford it. There's so much worry. There's so much stress. I'm seeing people who are right now, today, as in this week, only having the heating on in one room and using that room to so say the lounge. They're actually using that as a bedroom. So they're not using the other rooms in the house. They're only using that one. And I think in 2022 in Great Britain, that is an appalling state of affairs. We really appreciate Amy sharing that with us. It's a hard hitting story, isn't it? And the age old advice of switching providers to save on your energy. What used to be the gold standard, it just hasn't been an option in recent months. Unfortunately not. No, usually I'd be giving out the advice that do not be on the variable tariff, your default tariff, you yeah. want to lock down a fixed term deal. That's where you'll be paying the lowest prices for your energy bills. So always switch when you reach the end of your contract. And this crisis mm. has completely turned all of that usual advice on its head. It has. And actually now there's nowhere to switch to to save money. You're stuck just paying to this price cap. Very little choice in the matter. And if you're in a fortunate position where your provider goes bust, you end up on a variable tariff and you end up paying the full amount that you can pay at the moment. It's a really difficult situation to try and make sense of. And I understand completely, you feel a bit powerless, if anything, that you're just left sitting on your hands, waiting mm. and hoping that things become a little bit financially easier. And then you just get this news that the prices are going up again. It's a really tough situation to have to go through when times are already tight and you're already struggling to make ends meet. Well, we're going to be looking at the different support available to help with your bills and the kinds of things you can do to make your home more energy efficient. So let's start with the government's response to the price cap increase, which includes £350 of support split across energy and council tax. And looking at the energy help first, now it's been called a discount by some, but that's actually confusing things, I think, because it's a loan really, isn't it? 
it's a loan or a levy. I mean, ultimately, mm. let's just say this isn't free money. Put it that way. Mm. Uh, the £200 support we'll be getting from government via our energy firms will be coming off of our bills in October. So there's some time to wait until that money has an effect. And that money is not free. So the moment you get that, over the next five years, you'll be paying that back at a rate of £40 each year. And the way it's been set up at present, and it is subject to change still because it is some way off, but the way it's set up at present, you are on the hook for that £40, even if you don't benefit from the £200 payment this year. And the flip side of that is if, say, you've got two single people living apart and they meet in a year's time, fall in love and move in together, only one of them will be on the hook for that £40 instead of both of them. So it is a kind of imprecise system to provide support it has to be said i've heard from some people who are incredibly grateful for it others who say they don't need it and would rather it was more focused elsewhere we've had a few questions on this understandably um one of these elaine puts very frankly and she she really has a point she says she'll be struggling to pay her bills from the rise in april and if her monthly bills are going up then why isn't the 200 pounds going to her supplier then no, and it's a, it's a really good question. There's a long wait before this money comes in. And actually looking ahead to October, it could be the case that energy prices go up once again. Um, mm. So, you know, this money is negligible impact potentially by then. It's a real concern. The good news is that, you know, in April, you will get this council tax rebate as well. So you'll get £150 back um, if your property is in bands A to D. If you don't know which band you're in, check the Gov UK website or your tax paperwork. And that'll be paid into the account you pay your council tax from automatically. So you will get some money to help in April and then some more again in October, which will make a bit of a difference. Um, but certainly, depending how big your property is, how many people live there, it's probably not be enough and you will be paying more for your energy. Now, not only do households have to wait until October for the £200 energy help, we should also mention that there will be another price cap increase in October. And understandably, we're hearing that listeners are concerned about what's going to happen with prices in the longer term. Janine on Facebook says, my main concern is whether the prices will come down again and when. Being stuck with higher prices forever is a nightmare. So, so Anna, what's likely to happen in the longer term? Because I've seen predictions from Cornwall Insight in the media that the autumn price cap could exceed £2,000 and even warnings that the energy market could be volatile until 2030. Yeah, it's a, a really good question from Janine. The high costs are impacting huge numbers of people, particularly when we're going to see such a substantial increase in April. At the moment, we aren't seeing anything that suggests there's going to be a dramatic drop in the short term. As you said, based on that current data that we've got, we're expecting that the cap is going to increase again in October to more than £2,000 per year. It's early days in terms of how much that's going to change before October. Mm -hmm. Longer term, I think we can expect some higher costs as we look to decarbonise the energy system as well. And up until now, lots of the costs of decarbonising power over the years, they, they've landed on the electricity bill. So we will need to decide, um, I suppose, politically how best we share that cost in future. Um, but yeah, I really wish I could have better news here for Jean. So can we now talk about some of the other support available? Because there are a number of schemes offered by the government and perhaps lesser known, also energy suppliers. British Gas says it's launched a £2 million energy fund for the vulnerable and other companies are offering similar grants too. 
Yeah, so lots of suppliers do have a grant scheme which customers can apply for. And I believe you can also apply to the British Gas grant scheme if you're not a customer. And, and this is particularly good if you're somebody that is having issues with debt. Um, some suppliers have also set up a winter fund as well during the last year, really to help customers manage these really high energy costs. Um, but of course, there are also other functions as well. Customers might want to think about um, installing better insulation in their homes through home energy grants. So paying for things like loft and, and cavity wall insulation, that, that type of thing. That's brilliant. I'm getting loft insulation this week and it does apparently make a huge difference as well, which is great. So these grants then, are you, you can use them for all manner of different things. It's not necessarily just help with paying your bills. It's also to help you make your home more energy efficient and Anna. And yeah, that's right. In terms of home energy grants, uh, they, they are particularly focused around um, the, the kind of insulation offers. There, there are obviously lots of other measures that suppliers will look to install under the energy company obligation as well. They tend to be focused around properties that are quite difficult to heat um, and, and customers that are maybe facing issues with fuel poverty as well. And we'll get a link in the description of the podcast and we'll include um, a list of, of these kinds of grants that are available. Now, this week, we've also been hearing about a different kind of initiative to help people with their energy. And we're joined by our producer, Rob, for this one. And honestly, it was a very welcome breath of fresh air hearing about this group. So let's start by hearing Rob's interview with the volunteer-led organisation. Hello, is that Alex and Susan? Hello. Hi. Let's kick off then. Do you mind telling me a bit more about Crew Energy and the work that you do? Crew Energy are a community energy group that's been going since 2014. And we're one of probably about nearly 300 community energy organisations around the UK. So we've gone all sorts of different projects on the go because before we got most of the savings initially from switching and obviously that isn't an option at the moment but there's so much more we can do from energy efficiency behavior changes installing light measures like we do on our home energy visits right through to looking at um, getting everything you're entitled to like the warm home discount for 140 pounds off your energy bill signing up to the priority service register or helping vulnerable people through the complicated maze of getting grants for you know an upgraded efficient boiler or a heat pump or some external wall insulation or some cavity wall insulation or underfloor insulation or draft proofing or double glazing or whatever because there's so many different options out there and it's a really complicated maze let's talk a bit more about these home visits so what can people expect you turn up at somebody's front door then what's next so what we do is the first thing we always say is it's it's completely non-judgmental. So we start with their bills. We have um, a, a way of looking to see whether their bills are above or below an average for the type of property they live in. We'll then go through and look at light bulbs. We'll discuss some quick tips that they can do, sort of really quite basic things, but things we might not think about, like turning down their washing machine to the eco setting making sure that they turn lights out when they go out of a room, looking at where their furniture is in relation to radiators, putting in some radiator foil, LED lights, and then um, also looking to see if there's anything more in depth that we need to help them with. So the type of things that Alex has just talked about, the most we've ever saved is £645. 
The wow. least is 60. I know it's really significant savings um, and it can make such a difference to people. You know, for some of the people that we're talking to, you know, £150 a year is a huge amount. It is a it's a, an extra week's worth of food every month. It really is amazing how much money that you mentioned there you've been able to save some people. I worked out the other day the largest saving, if you like, from a conversation with me. A lady, I remember her very clearly walking through the library. I stopped her, enticed her to sit down, have a cup of tea, a bit of cake with me. We had a chat. Then more and more came out. And it ended up, when I totted it up afterwards, it was about £16,000 because we got her a grant for, to replace her boiler. We got an application to get her energy debt cleared. We got her onto the warm home discount she didn't know about. We changed her tariff, which we could still switch then, and that saved a couple of hundred pounds. And also took her through LED measures, got her a home visit arranged and had draft proofing done. And I think she also got some underfloor insulation done. So it really can be life changing. I really did love this. It's amazing work Susan and Alex at Crew Energy are doing. It's kind of like a home makeover for your energy usage. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. So I should say, of course, how lovely it was just chatting to Susan and Alex because Mm. they are part of a team doing such important work when it comes to helping people with their energy bills. Now, they mentioned on the call there are so many different things that they can recommend to people some of them that we've already mentioned on this podcast others I'd not even considered when it comes mm-hmm. to things that might help lower your energy bill now I've got to be honest Lich here I was a little bit embarrassed because after we finished our call the last thing that Susan did was tell me off because she could <laughs> she could see on my webcam that my living room sofa is in fact in front of the radiator and unsurprisingly, that's apparently not a very effective way of heating a home. So uh, I might have to do some moving of the furniture in my living room after our chat. Let's let's talk about that one then, because you might not be able to move your sofa, but how far away then, for anyone listening that has a sofa in front of a radiator, how far away should it be? Provided you've got, now if you can, of course, I appreciate some people can't do this, and I'm trying to work out whether I can do this in my own room, but provided you've got kind of a foot or two feet between the furniture and the radiators that should still provide enough space for the heat to get out and for you to be able to properly heat your room but at the moment mine is properly kind of wedged up against it which is probably neither good for the sofa nor the temperature in here to be honest that's brilliant you need like a energy efficiency feng shui for all like rooms that's that's the way to go it's not you're channeling that good energy, but in this case, it's heat. That's what we need. That's a really good shout. <laughs> I mean, I feel like these groups might not be so well known to people. It's actually the first I've heard of them this week, but they say nearly 300 organisations are doing similar work to Crew Energy, which is brilliant. So how can you find out if there's one that could help you in your area? So in England, there's actually a nationwide organisation that kind of looks after all of these community energy groups. So they're called Community Energy England. Uh, And as I say, yeah, they look after all those groups. They can put you in touch with your local one, which I'm sure, you know, there are 300, as you mentioned, Lucia. So there's bound to be one not too far away. And there's also a similar organisation in Scotland as well. And we'll make sure we pop those links in the description as well for today's episode. Thanks, Rob. Now, now we heard Crew talking about 
making your home more energy efficient, which is such a huge topic. And one aspect is the different ways of fueling your home, which can be a bit of a minefield, working out the most money saving option for you. Now, in terms of lower carbon options, we seem to be hearing a lot about air source heat pumps at the moment. And we have a question from Lee who says they moved into a modern home with a great insulation and an air source heat pump, but the bills have gone from around 140 per month for gas and electric to 338 per month for just electric. So the big question, are air source heat pumps actually cost effective? So air source heat pumps are much more efficient than gas boilers. Newer gas boilers convert about 90% of their source fuel into heat. Mm -hmm. An air source heat pump, it's more like 300%. So for every unit of electricity you put in, you'd get three back. Um, In a property where maybe you're retrofitting one into a home um, that that previously had gas boilers, the cost can be fairly high, especially if you're needing to put bigger radiators in alongside that. It, It sounds like for Lee, maybe he's more facing higher costs of running the air source heat pump. And that really reflects the difference in the unit price of gas to electricity. So for gas, we normally use a lot more of this by volume um, and it costs a lot less than electricity. So if you looked in April, you'd be comparing about seven pence a kilowatt hour for gas to about 28 pence a kilowatt hour for electricity. Mm -hmm. So even though it's much more efficient, the cost of electricity is high enough at the moment that he might be facing some of those higher running costs. And some of the main reasons why the electricity price is so much higher is because lots of the social and environmental policy costs we have are added on to the electricity bill because it's um, deemed fairer to spread it across more people and more people are connected to the electricity network than to the gas network. Now on this, I saw this week the government announced funding to improve the energy efficiency of 20,000 homes. And this is specifically for social housing homes. But as we heard from the ladies at Crew, and, and we've mentioned already throughout the podcast, there are also other grants available to improve your home's energy efficiency. Um, so what kind of things do these include and how can listeners apply? These grants, this money has is, is predominantly been distributed to local authorities. So it can be hard to find, uh, to be honest with you. It is distributed around in lots of different places. But thankfully, there is a really useful website you can go to, uh, simpleenergyadvice.org.uk, where you can just pop in your postcode and it will tell you what grants are available in your local area from your local authority. Predominantly, you'll find things like grants to help you with insulation, draft proofing, maybe upgrading your boiler, having double glazing installed, alternative sources of energy. So things like solar power, for example, as well, could be something Mm. that's included there. So there's loads of options there in terms of improving the energy efficiency of your home and grants available for you to do that. Now, often the money will go to those who are most in need of it, which is right. Um, So Mm -hmm. it will depend on your own personal circumstances, whether you actually qualify to get hold of those grants. But as I say, heading to that website, putting your postcode in, you can choose your address. It'll actually give you the EPC summary for your home, so how energy efficient it is. Mm -hmm. I've just done that with my house. Well, how does it fare? There's work to be done. It's Mm -hmm. a D grade. It's an A to G rating. A the best, G the worst. And I have a D grade Victorian Terrace home. Hopefully, again, insulation work will improve that a little bit uh, coming up soon. But you get a really good insight into how how well it ranks and actually gives you some information around where you may be able to make 
improvements as well. So it's a useful source. That site, again, is simpleenergyadvice.org.uk where you can start to access some of this information. But again, that help is targeted those who most need it. It may be the case if you're on a slightly better income, you're going to have to fund some of that work yourself. And can we end then with some more of the kinds of everyday simple things we can do to cut our energy usage? As we heard from Susan and Alex, there are loads of what you think of as pretty basic tips, like whether your sofa is pushed up against a radiator, but you just might not have considered them before. Yeah, so I suppose um, you could think about draft proofing um, some of your windows and your doors. It sounds really simple, but um, it's something I did when uh, we went into the lockdown in the pandemic I ended up working in my hallway for a while uh, next to the front door and it was freezing <laughs> so yeah you, you can buy kind of little inserts that you put in around the edges and it, it yeah it just stops the drafts coming through that's a really good tip I, I similarly there's like film you can get for the inside of your windows especially if you've got old double glazing which I might have um, that also helps with insulation because sometimes where I'm well, actually, this is all things we've learned working from home, isn't it? Where I'm sat next to a window, you can, in the window, you can feel the heat going out of that window. So actually put some film on there. It does make a big difference to how much heat stays in as well. And then there's, you know, classic things like make sure you're turning things off at the wall when you're not using them. That can make a big difference. Energy saving light bulbs can save sort of seven pound a year per light bulb. If you're not already looking at where your thermostat's set at, then turning that down a degree can make a big difference. That's always put around 50 quid as well. But I suppose a lot of this advice is is good for people that maybe haven't really had to think about their energy usage before. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, my privileged position as a writer for which, right? I've never really had to worry too much about it um but now with the increase in prices you do find yourself thinking i need to be more energy efficient i need to make sure i'm not using too much mm-hmm. i think there's also a group of people that are already doing all of this stuff that already have been worried about their energy bills before now and now prices have gone up even more and i don't want to you know insult them with these tips that i'm pretty sure they're already doing as well so there's definitely an element of yes you can do things around your home you can you can improve the energy efficiency of your home. But ultimately, if you're worried about paying your bill, the best thing you can do, the most important thing you can do is speak to your energy provider um, because they have a duty of care towards you to make sure they look after you and ensure that your energy supply doesn't get turned off. Mm-hmm. So they can set up things like payment plans, for example, to ensure that what you pay is affordable. Yes, you might accrue credit or you know, a bigger credit during that time, um, but it's the way you make sure that you you actually continue with energy supply and make sure it's manageable and don't end up with warning letters and risking having your supply cut off. So do make those changes in your home if you can, but if you've already mm-hmm. done that and you're still concerned about the cost of your bills, speak to your energy provider. They have to help you. And I know it doesn't come naturally to ask for help sometimes, but absolutely you should do. And on that point, the help you can get from your supplier, is obviously very welcome. And we've spoken about that already today, but is there enough of it? Should they be doing more? It's funny you asked that, Lucia. I think there's something for for us at which we're going to be looking into in more detail mm. um, is exactly the level of support that customers are being offered. But as I say, they do have a duty of care towards you as their customer to ensure you're not cut off. And that if you're paying even on a prepayment uh, bill for a prepayment meter, for example, where you're basically pay as you go with power. And I was on one of those in a flat in my early 20s. And I remember the power just going off in the middle mm. of the night and I had two more days to wait until payday and I was just sat in the dark having a little sob and not really knowing 
what to do. The measures in place now are, are stronger. They do have to, as long as you're talking to them, they can give you emergency credit. They can give you effectively a, an overdraft on that, for example. The key thing is talking to them about it and actually having those conversations with provider means that that support can be put in place. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really interesting question to say, how good are they? How well are they doing mm. that? And that's something we'll be keeping a very keen eye on and encourage anyone who feels their provider isn't doing enough to get in touch with us. Thank you so much to Anna and Adam for joining us on the show today. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. Now, next week, we'll be looking at how to save on your broadband, phone and TV bills. So please send any of your questions to the Witch Money social channels. That's Witch Money on Facebook and Twitter. Now, before you head off, please do hit follow and subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. And for more money saving news and advice, find us at witch.co.uk forward slash save money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Charlotte Gifford. <laughs>